Hi, I'm Matthew Kind. Every Monday, look for a fresh new episode where I'll take you behind the scenes and interview the insiders that are shaping the rapidly evolving cannabis industry. Learn more at cannainsider.com. That's C-A-N-N-A insider.com. Now here's your program. Hey, Canna Insiders. After this interview was recorded, Joshua was kind enough to extend a coupon code for Canna Insider listeners. So if you go to a potforpot.com and use the coupon code INSIDER, you'll get 10% off your order at checkout. The coupon code again is INSIDER and go to a potforpot.com. Now here's your show. Today's founder took away all the complexity from growing your first cannabis plant at home and found product market fit. Today, we're going to delve into the story of the young company, A Pot for Pot, and learn from its founder, Joshua Mezer. Joshua, welcome to Canna Insider. Hi, thanks for having me today. Give us a sense of geography. Where are you in the world today? Uh, today, I'm actually sitting in a friend's office uh, called Vertosa here in Oakland as uh, it's a lot quieter than the warehouse that we occupy, which is uh, a few blocks down the street. Okay. And what is a pot for pot on a high level? Um, a pot for pot. So it's, uh, we like to say it's as fun as it is to say to grow. And it's really the complete kit to grow cannabis at home, sort of no grow tent needed. Um, it's really simple and uh, a lot of fun. So share a little bit about your background and journey and how you got into the cannabis space. I know you've been in this industry for a long time and just curious to hear how it came about. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I've sort of been lucky enough to be with the plant for a long time. I mean, I think I was originally selling weed in high school. Uh, not that it's uh, needed or recommended anymore these days. But uh, from there, I um, actually wound up moving to go to UC Santa Cruz. Okay. which, you know, eight or nine years ago was one of the, Santa Cruz was one of the hotbeds for the medical cannabis scene in terms of things getting grown out of that region. Yeah. And uh, I started growing in college and, you know, to be honest with you, dropped out. And yeah, now, you know, you fast forward that, uh, sort of ran a small farm, went all the way from almost the product we sell today to a greenhouse and uh, then got involved with the cannabis industry on sort of a higher level. and uh i was pitching another product that was uh called turbo trimmers and that was an uh, electric pair of trimming scissors okay. and um yeah so it's been uh almost nine years now it's kind so of funny the, to look back the trimming scissors and that one just had, didn't wasn't able to take off like a pot for pot did that one just kind of go away yeah, I mean, uh, you know, both uh, the other founder of Pot for Pot, Jason Levin, comes from a hardware background as well. And, uh, you know, back then it was nine years ago and you're trying to pitch a hardware product to a burgeoning cannabis industry. And you've got examples like Juicero and other companies that are, uh, you know, far removed from the cannabis space that are struggling to make ends meet. And uh, so, yeah, it was a, it was a very different scene back then. But, you know, we managed to, both of us managed to get to, you know, working prototype stages. And uh, then we were actually in Gateway Incubator uh, over here in Oakland, which uh, was founded by the, the Ben Larson, the gentleman's office that I'm sitting in. And, um, yeah, we, we kind of sat down. We, we were really looking for a product 
that made sense to the market and that we could launch that didn't require masses amounts of upfront capital to get it off the ground. Okay. Yeah. I really have a lot of respect for people in the hardware business because it's just so hard to iterate. It takes so long. The cycles are so long. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, we went to China and, uh, you know, both of us selected factories over there. We got really far down the process. And uh, I think the, there's a lack of understanding in sort of the public space of, you know, how much goes into like the microphone that I'm talking to through you today on, right? Like that in itself is such a massive endeavor. Yeah. And it just has to work. Whereas a software, you make a mistake, you could put a patch out overnight, no cost, instant, you know, push where hardware, it's like, oh my God, we got to figure this out, make sure what the problem is, send it over to China or whatever, new circuit boards or whatever. It's just, it's so much longer. So yeah, it's, it's intense. And it's kind of funny because we're still almost in the hardware space in the sense that we have a you know consumer product now, but we have none of the complexity really. Yeah. No on-off switch, <laughs> um, no electricity. Yeah. You know, the, the plant really does all the work. Right. And let's talk about that a little bit. So if I were to go to your website right now and order, let's say your most popular bundle, what would I be getting in the mail and what would I do with it? Um, yeah, so our most popular bundle um, by a hair is our five-gallon complete a pot for a pot grow kit, um, and that one retails at uh, just shy of a hundred dollars uh, plus shipping. And that one is sort of the kit that we sell that really grows the most pot the quickest, um, and it's. You know, it's designed for the person that's okay, like, I'm going to grow some weed. Uh, and the one that's like just behind it, it's really almost 50-50, would be our, our mini kit, uh, which is kind of actually the complete opposite end of that spectrum, uh, which is retails for $40. And you'll, it's a smaller pot, so it's all kind of based on the size. Uh, and so naturally, it grows a smaller plant. Um, but they're, they're pretty neck and neck. Okay. And so... Your con- your customers get this bundle in the mail, and it doesn't include seeds. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so um, it doesn't include seeds. Uh, it also doesn't include grow light because we encourage our customers to use the sun. Um, so, yeah, the seed solution was uh, really fortuitous for us, actually. Uh, we partnered up with a, a company called I Love Growing Marijuana, which is founded by Robert Bergman, um, and they're based out of the Netherlands. And it was one of those random coincidences in life where I was at a friend's wedding actually out of the country and he had a friend who had a friend who knew Robert and uh, that's how we originally got connected. So it came out completely outside of any of my connections within the cannabis space, funnily enough. And um, they are the ones that do the seed solution for us because, you know, we wanted to be an ancillary product that's been, you know, Jason and I have always focused on that space just because it's a lot simpler and a lot less heavily taxed. And I think that uh, a lot of people can probably relate to that. Um, Yeah. It's, you know, cannabis companies have one of the most difficult businesses to run. Um, And we don't get away Scott clean, you know, we're still paraphernalia. So there's a lot of stuff that's associated with that. Um, But so they'll ship the seed. Uh, I love growing marijuana from Amsterdam and it's, they ship worldwide. It's legal for them to do so in their country. And uh, we basically provide our customers with, A, the education that, hey, you can go here and buy your seeds. 
Uh, and then we also give them a $40 discount off of their seed purchase. Um, and as they're both ordering online, they sort of arrive at essentially the same time. And what's really nice about that is it gives the customer a choice. Um, you know, they may want to just grow a hemp plant, uh, which, you know, produces CBD, or they may want an indica or a sativa, if we can get into that distinction. And uh, so it really gives the choice to the customer. Right. Okay. And when they get the, they get the seeds, they get their bundle from you, what's the next step? Is there like a, a walk through a quick start guide or how does that work? Uh, I think the first thing they do is a happy dance. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so they, uh, they open the box and uh, so we have a, a, you know, a grow guide in there. We also provide online support uh, you know, if they have any questions throughout their entire growing cycle. Um, but it's, it's quite self-explanatory, you know, the grow guides sort of divided into how to set your pot up and then how to take care of your plant. Uh, and they spend, you know, probably, uh, you know, I can do it a little quicker, but it probably takes the average person about 10 to 15 minutes to set everything up and get it going. So it's a, a little bit of a DIY project, you know, you definitely get your hands and some you know, dirt between your fingernails. Yeah. This is really interesting to me because with everything, it seems like technology's advancement, it's about, there's all this complexity and this is really about simplicity and convenience. Uh, and there's a lot of business, business opportunities, I think, in that space, just simplicity, convenience, taking something down to its most simple form, kind of making it, uh, I, I guess you can't say idiot-proof, but pretty close to it and making it a fun experience and one where you're really, I mean, in this case, you're making your money back really. Cause I mean, looking at how much it costs versus how much it costs per ounce, like how many ounces can you get out of your most popular uh, bundle there? Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's funny when you, when you talk about like the complexity of it and the simplicity of it, um, first off, I'd say that like, it's really simple. So it's, a, it's organic. There's, you know, we don't add nutrients. I can't really say it's organic, but it's all, it's all natural. So um, it's all in the super soil. But really, like, the, you know, the technology is in, in the microbes and, you know, the fungi that goes on in the soil. And, you know, when you look at it from, like, our level and it's just like, oh, wow, there's a plant growing in soil. It's, it's super simple. But, you know, it's actually amazing when you look at the technology that's going on in that pot from, you know, another angle. And you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's a lot going on in there. But we really just try to make it simple and easy to, for them. So they, they're just, you know, maintaining this life form. Uh, and, you know, it typically, uh, I think there's a, there's a distinction when you look at how much customers are yielding. Uh, and it really is whether they're growing indoors or whether they're growing with the sun. Mm -hmm. So indoors, you know, I'd say our, our average customer probably gets about an ounce. The, the mini kit drags that down quite a bit. Um, but when you look at like the five gallon, if you're putting that outside full sun um, with an automatic, you know, cannabis plant, then you're, you should be able to get a pretty easy four ounces. Uh, we, we say on the packaging, grow up to eight ounces. Obviously, there's like a lot of things that go into growing eight ounces, right? You need great genetics and good sun and, you, you know, you can't mess it up or anything like that. But I, our customers, we like to say it's the product that makes everybody money. Um, you know, because we ship mostly, you know, to the middle-ish of the country. 
Um, I, I wouldn't really include California in our averages because we're, we're based here, so it's a little skewed. Um, but yeah, the middle of our, the country smokes a, a fair amount of pot for a pot at this stage or uh, whatever it is that they crew. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be something to get people through like a long winter to watch their their pot plant grow. I mean, that you just feel like, oh, something positive is happening as I'm stuck in this grayness. Um, I'm watching this grow. This is this is really interesting here. So you mentioned auto flowering there just very quickly, and I want to kind of pause on that because um, a lot of people will know what an auto flowering plant is, but a lot of people don't, and it's it's really helpful back to the simplicity, uh, you know, discussion. Can you talk about what an auto flowering plant is? cannabis plant and why they're important? Yeah. So that's a really, it's a key part of our education process when it comes to educating customers. And unfortunately, automatic flowering cannabis, uh, otherwise known as Ruderellus, has a fairly poor reputation. Um, if you were just to Google it and get your results or talk to people within the industry, and it has like, there's a variety of reasons why traditional cannabis growers have steered away from automatic flowering cannabis. Um, the, the primary one is that it, you can't control it and you can't clone it, right? So if, if I'm a grower that's growing for monetary purposes, um, the ability to clone a plant traditionally has been really key to, you know, crop consistency and everything else. Um, but as a hobbyist, when you're growing automatic flowering cannabis, it removes all these complexities that, you know, photoperiod cannabis, which is the sister plant, has. Um, and it really, you plant it from seed. And it's somewhat unknown at this point what the actual flowering mechanism is that causes it to flower. I would argue that it's um, a factor of different genes that the plant possesses, but I think that the dominant trait is more than likely the amount of sun time it has received. Um, but outdoors, they'll typically finish in like 80 days, no light cycle. You could have it outdoors under 24-hour light. It really doesn't matter for the plant. Um, it does actually prefer a little bit of darkness, but it'll still flower and be perfectly fine. So it's, it really just makes it super simple for the customer. Um, and it's an incredible plant. I think it's, it's got a bad reputation of being not a particularly potent plant, um, that reputation kind of was created before anyone was really testing cannabis. <laughs> and I think that if you, if you look at a lot of the data today, you see that. And now it's coming quite popular because outdoor growers have realized like, wait a second, I can get like four turns or three turns in a year without having to spend a bunch of money up front on, you know, forever flowering greenhouses and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really fascinating plant. And I think one that is going to step more and more into the limelight, like, I, I think it has the most holistic cannabis plant properties in terms of like its cannabinoid profile and um, the levels of CBD and versus THC and so forth. Do you have um, customers sending you pictures on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that? So you can see kind of their harvest. Um, yeah. I mean, that's one of the main ways that we, uh, you know, a, if we have a plant problem, we also send us pictures, but you, I think at this point we've got over 500, hashtags of people posting a pot for a pot um on instagram and showing off their plant or their harvest and and then there's like the flip side of that right where people are like super paranoid and 
they don't want to send us any of their photos <laughs> because you know they're like super worried about their location and so forth. Um, you know, which which is fair. You know, I I am totally guilty of this, but I know one of the big problems with uh, amateur growers and even not amateur growers is overwatering. You know, you kind of picture Gollum, the little creature from the Lord of the Rings, you know, f- fussing over the precious and that your flower become, your plant becomes like this precious thing. And you're looking at it all the time and thinking about his welfare. And you're like, well, maybe just, if you look at it long enough, you think, well, I think it looks thirsty. Maybe I should just give it some water. How do you know if you're overwatering or it, it, the plant has enough water? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it helps if you realize that cannabis really grows naturally in a lot of pretty arid conditions. Um, so it's not somewhere that's in really like a heavy tropical environment, typically in the wild, like Indicas are, you know, from the Afghanistan region, right? So you can kind of keep that in your context. But yeah, overwatering cannabis is the number one problem that we see. Um, people fall in love with their little seedling. You know, it's, it's from a seed relationship. So like they get really attached to it. And uh, if something's wrong with it, they think they need to add more water. Uh, and then, you know, they might start diagnosing it and try to add more water and more nutrients. And then you're like, whoa, <laughs> like, <laughs> just stop what you're doing. Like leave the plant, put it in the sunshine um and she'll be perfectly fine but you know you, you can really tell it's a uh, interesting because it it triggers a, an opposite response in the plant to where the leaves will almost dry up and crisp out um as the plant kind of suffocates and it can't uptake any more water so you know people will see crispy leaves and they'll be like oh my god like i need to add more and more water yeah. uh, that's why we have like a, we have an email chain that goes out to our customers throughout the the grow cycle uh, that tries to sort of encourage them to, hey, like, yo, send us pictures. Where are you at? How you doing? Um, and we're going through and actually revamping those right now. And we have some, you know, fun topic lines like, how's our baby doing? I mean, your baby doing. And uh, <laughs> a, few, a few, few things like that that get people pretty excited. Okay. So we've talked about uh, how much yield you get. Is there anything else that a novice grower should be thinking about in terms of what they can do to make sure the first harvest goes well. Nutrients, like you said, you can overdo it with nutrients and water. Um, anything else? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's take it outside of a pot for a pot. Uh, I think that if you're looking at trying to grow cannabis, I, I think one of the ways that people have a really bad experience with it is they spend a lot of money in trying to do so. Um, and the truth is, is like, you know, we, we give a free ebook that you can download on our website that'll tell you exactly how we blend our soil, what all the ingredients are and so forth. And you, you can really grow this plant without spending any money. Um, and you can grow it really well. So I would just encourage people not to invest, you know, their first credit card and their max limit, uh, on getting a grow set up and spending a whole bunch of money and really just try to grow the plant affordably for the first time and just sort of learn that, that first learning experience. And then if you're like, okay, maybe I want to grow some more. And then you can look at, you know, doing it in more complicated manners and buying, you know, complicated equipment. You know, I think when you look at uh, commercial grows, your, you know, indoor facilities there per square foot, their dollar costs are really, really high. Um, and yeah, I would just encourage people to, to do it affordably and do it stress-free. Yeah. And how do you 
instruct customers about, you know, drying and curing and all that? Yeah, I think that's one of the, the more complicated processes because that's, you know, slightly subjective, right? At the end of the growing process, um, we've got, we give them a, a pair of trimming scissors in the kit. Um, so, you know, within the kit, they, uh, they have a pair of trimming scissors and then on the back of it, we give them like a harvest, a brief harvest guide, essentially. Um, and then we also sort of know a lot of the time when our customers are going to be harvesting um, just because we, you know, we know when they buy the kit, they typically plant within like three weeks uh, so then we also send them an email being like, hey, it's probably time to harvest your plant. A lot of people really don't like harvesting it because then they have to kill it. Um, and then there's the complete other end of that spectrum where people are like, oh, I, I want my bud, <laughs> you know? And you're like, no, it's got like another three weeks. Like, leave it on the vine. Like, <laughs> it's going to like double in size still, dude. Like, chill. Um, so there's that end of the spectrum. But, you know, we... Uh, we really just try to educate them as much as possible in, in the information that we provide them with. And then if they have questions, we'll uh, be like, yeah, time to harvest it or nope, give that a few more weeks. <laughs> so your, your kind of your follow-up email campaigns are, you know, it really makes a big difference when the sequence of them arrives to the customer. Do you have something that says like click here when you plant your seeds or something until you know, like, okay, 30 day from now, we need to send this email that tells them this. Um, yeah, you know, up until, you know, recently we've been relying on that sort of method We're in the, we sort of always evolving our emails, right. Um, cause it's, it's a great way for us to get data and, and engagement and so forth. And we're moving over to that, to where someone clicks on a button and then we sort of, you know, follow them along with their row and then we can get data back from them by, you know, requesting photographs and so forth. Um, and it's become like quite an essential part of, helping customers have success, you know, because that's our ultimate goal, right? It's like, we want you to grow this and grow it well. So you grow more of it, right? Which yeah. is a win-win for everybody. Um, so it's really been a combination of email and then really encouraging people to email us, you know, so that they feel like they're being taken care of, right? And once we get that level, you know, we've got a customer support team that tries to do their best job on getting back to people within 24 hours and, you know, we'll, we'll diagnose your plum, right? Like a lot of the time it's the same problem. Sometimes it's not, and we're, you know, we'll scratch our heads, which that's really cool for us because as we've gone through this period, you know, this process and we've been able to kind of refine the product as we go and sort of make little improvements to how we educate people um, to sort of help them through their growing process. So, you know, a lot of growers that I've talked to over the years are, you know, they're optimizing for huge grows. They're talking about, you know, CO2 levels, under canopy lights, like all these things that, but when you break it down to just one plant, is it really just that the two biggest variables are giving water and light in the right proportions, would you say? Um, yeah, I think you could pay homage to Humboldt County for teaching everybody that, you know, uh, you know, really, if you look at some of the, the best traditional cannabis that's come out of hum Humboldt County, you know, it really has been as simple as blending your soil putting it in the pot or in the ground and adding water and sunlight to your plant. I mean, that's where you, you know, you'll see pictures of huge outdoor trees. Right. Um, and by and large, a lot of those plants are just fed with really good soil and, you know, water that doesn't have chlorine and, and it's, you know, it's good water, right? Like a lot of the times some problems we'll see is when people water their plant, like with chlorine or something like that, it, it can you know start showing because it's killing all the microbes and microbes in the water. 
Um, yeah, yeah. And that's right out of the faucet. Is there some chlorine and some sodium fluoride? Oh, yeah. You know, I've got a few in Flint, Michigan. It's, it's even worse, unfortunately. So, you know, that's, uh, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that, right? Like, you know, it's a little side tangent, but it's sort of gardening in America largely became dependent on people adding fertilizer to their gardens, right? Like the, the whole miracle grow generation. And it's not really their fault, right? The problem is, is that they're actually watering, watering their garden with like chlorine water, you know, which is just completely destroying, oh. you know, your whole soil and the microbes and everything in there. And so I think a part of what we do is try to bring people back. You know, we tell them like, hey, let your water sit out, you know, for 24 hours before, you know, using it or, or use bottled water even better. Um, but a part of it is like just actually educating people on how bad their water is in a way. Um, because that's, you know, that's really the key to life. And so, yeah, I would say that if you put your pond out in the sun and give it water, you're going to be pretty chuffed with the results that it does. And you know, again, that's like this plant, right. That is just remarkable in itself. You know, it's called weed for a reason really. Um, and so it does, you know, it does so much of the work. <laughs> we just give it soil and water, right? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal species just to grow no matter who you are. Yeah. And just one more thing on the water there. I mean, I always recommend a, a reverse osmosis system or for drinking a big Berkey system, which are great ways to get all that toxic crap out of the water. Um, because, you know, people don't think about that, but it's like, it's a, it's a big thing to be ingesting water if it's not, if it's not clean, you know, you can also go to your county yeah. and look at your county's water reports and things like that. But, uh, Oh yeah. And there's two bad gas ultimately, right? Yeah. That's, that's what your body's mostly made of water and that's what you're fueling your body with. And, you know, yeah. put, put good gas in it. You'll feel, you'll, you'll, you know, you might notice you feel a little better after a few months. Oh, I definitely do. So, you know, I thought it was really interesting and gritty and I'd give you a huge, very high MacGyver quotient. I don't know if you remember that show, MacGyver, that guy who could get like anything done with a stick of gum and, you know, some fishing line and, you know, a penny. He can, you know, he can get anything done. And you told me when we were talking earlier about how you got your first customers. And I thought, wow, you know, here's somebody that's looking for solutions, not making up excuses. Can you talk about how you got your first customers and what you did there? Yeah, it's a, it's quite a fun story. Um, so obviously we're considered paraphernalia. Um, so while you know Facebook, Instagram, all those sort of platforms um, basically won't work at, with us at this stage um, of legislation. So for us, you know, when we, we when we started, we had these dreams of like being able to Facebook and Instagram advertise. Um, that wasn't a reality. So you know, we had to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? So basically it was a really manual effort um and we would go on instagram we started a page you know we posted a few pictures and then really you know i'd essentially call what i like to call mining instagram um and we would sit there and we'd spend uh, you know too much time on liking photos and making you know funny comments like anytime someone you know planted a seed we'd be like oh you know you know let the photo since this begin roots away um, and then if we ever got sort of any engagement or people followed us back, right? Because as soon as you get the followed back, then I can start sending you private messages. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we we're kind of fishing to get the follows, essentially. Uh, and then once we got, you know, a few follows, we would basically engage with, you know, a messaging campaign. And it was, 
you know, originally unscripted, but as we got more proficient, you know, we had a Google Docs and we'd kind of copy and paste and, you know, we kind of had these little macros that we'd work with. Um, and we would message people with a picture of an adorable little seedling uh, first off. And we'd be like, hey, you know, just wondering if, you know, we're looking for product testers, you know, we're willing to give you 40% off to like try our product. Um, we're going to give you free seeds. And we would basically start dialogue with people. And at like any one time, we'd have, you know, 10 or 15 chats going. Um, and eventually we got more sophisticated and we like got a bot um, that was able to, to take a lot of like the initial follow, like picture, add comments off of our back. And that was really how we, I'd say we probably got our first 100 customers um, that, yeah, it was all online and uh, it, it was it was a lot of work, but, you know, it was just sort of what we have to do, right? And now, obviously, we've managed to sort of grow out of that because, you know, it was incredibly laborious. <laughs> like, um, And also, you start running into problems with Instagram and it's sort of now we really don't invest actually really any of our time on our social media platforms at this stage simply because our Instagram account could get shut down at any moment in time. And then I've, you know, just lost all the followers that we've worked up to get. So we really just sort of now leave it as like, um, you know, a third priority almost for us. Yeah. I hope there's like, at some point we can just say, Hey, we're all adults and I don't want my, my, like, don't shut me down for content. I want to see it's like, maybe it'll be just a decentralized version of these social platforms where we don't have to, mother may I for everything we want to see or hear, but that was very, very crafty, I think in a great way. And you probably also build out your frequently asked questions area, your website pretty quickly when you see, Oh, 30, 40% piece, 30 or 40% of the people have this question. Did you start to get the same questions over and over? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, you start picking up on trends and, you know, I think, uh, first off, most of the questions we got was like, is this legal, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, our product is legal, right? There's no THC, there's no seed in it. Um, you know, back then we were sort of shipping the seed with it, uh, but the hemp back kind of covered us loosely on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, that was a you know common concern. And, you know, our response to most people is that, well, if you're in a legal state, it's legal. And, if you're in a, an illegal state, it's illegal, but we'll still ship it to you. Um, and we've actually we shipped a, a surprising number of international countries that uh, there are some people taking some rather large risks to still grow this plant. Wow. You can always grow it for tomato, though, officially, if you want to. Doesn't <laughs> That's <happen>. true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'd like to ask a, a couple personal development questions and here's the first one, Joshua. Is there a book that has had a big impact on your life or your way of thinking that you'd like to share? Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, when I was younger, I was a, I've always sort of had the uh, entrepreneurial dream. But uh, Richard Branson's book, Losing My Virginity, uh, which I think was his first kind of autobiography, uh, was uh, a really sort of like, foundational book for me you know, i'm dyslexic he's dyslexic so i was able to like relate on that level of like oh yeah this isn't this could be an advantage actually uh and yeah just sort of his entrepreneurial story which you know i don't know if a lot of people are terribly familiar with but it really starts him selling uh magazine music magazines and then records and you know it's got a very interesting 
story of how he sort of built his uh, business. And uh, I think that was a, a really inspirational book. And I think the other one to the cannabis space's credit would, uh, would probably be Up and Smoke by Tommy Chong, uh, which is all about sort of his life and how he went to jail. And uh, I actually, you know, wound up reading that book in jail. So it was a, it was an interesting book to kind of understand the history of paraphernalia and cannabis and how it's not as easy as it is today. Just like, you know, the cannabis industry is not as easy as it was uh, back then either. So yeah, I'd say those two up and smoke and uh, losing my virginity. You know, losing my virginity. I read that too. And I can't remember if the stories from that book or not, but how his mom, but Richard Branson's mom used to just like, they'd be driving home at night and like a couple miles out from this house when he was a kid, she'd say like, okay, get out and find your way home. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and he would be like, what, what do you mean? And it, like, get out of the car and find your way back to the house. And it's like, why? And she would do things like this to him just to get him to be resourceful. Like kind of that MacGyver quotient we were talking about earlier. And I was like, yeah. this, is, this is funny, but also really character building. Yeah. that might, It's all the, the my MacGyver mindset, right? It's all just, about seeing the solution. You know, I think that's really what it trains people. Yeah. Now, apart from what you're doing at a pot for pot, what do you think the most interesting thing going on in the cannabis industry is right now? Uh, you know, I think for me, the most interesting is sort of seeing the cannabis industry evolve and how the black market is evolving with it. I think that I, I look at that and that because, you know, what is the black market kind of spills over into what is the legal market in terms of what's fashionable and trendy. Uh, and then, you know, what's kind of it, it's a flow of both ways. And it's really interesting for me to see how that economy that's really an undocumented, ununderstood economy is changing as more and more states become legalized and, you know, the concern of, you know, is this product safe? Is it not safe? Um, as that plays into like the consumer's mind. And, you know, it's, it's really fascinating when you look at like the trap stars on Instagram and the, you know, that sort of whole side of this industry that is just really like so cowboyish still and just, like blows my mind in terms of the, the stories that come out of that. And then just seeing like the legal industry, how it tackles that culturally. Right. Because ultimately we, we were all criminals once, you know? Right. And um, so it's sort of is like, Oh no, I, I hate you guys. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, the part of most people is like, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Right. Like there's people that survive off of this plant in you know neighborhoods all around this country that it, puts food on their table and it's like, how do you hate on that? You know, it's, that's an essential part of life. And so I think for me seeing that and seeing how, you know, I think like I've, I've recently, when you like look at comments on Instagram and stuff, you can get like a, a good insight into what's going on. And I think like people underestimate right now, how much of an export country this country is becoming, right? Like, just because the legal market's not selling weed internationally does not mean the illegal market is not doing that, right? And like, and of course that makes sense, right? Where's the next frontier? Where where can you guys go? And I think when you start to look at that and like 
people all over the world want to smoke that, you know, Florida or that Cali or whatever it is, right? Like, so I think like that is like, for me, probably the most interesting space that that's just really not understood at this level, right? It's just kind of like people in the legal market, it's just, you know, they have, it's, it's become this own thing. And then it's kind of got this ugly sister that no one talks about, but like just has way more clout. And um, so I think that that is like a very interesting part in how those two dynamics play out as the industry matures. And I, I just really hope that the legal industry realizes that it needs to be inclusive and it needs to include, you know, everybody and give everybody as much opportunity as it can. Otherwise it's going to be a very, kind of self-defeating cycle i just so yeah i think that's the part that fascinates me the most and what's one idea you believe to be true that very few people agree with you on um i think the you know for, for that one to me it's uh ruderellus i think that it's the original cannabis plum and to kind of qualify that as quickly as i can and kind of summarize it Really, if you think of how things evolve naturally, it doesn't make a lot of sense for a plant to grow all summer long and then mature and then flower. It really makes more sense in nature for things to reproduce as quickly as possible, right? Like grow, reproduce, grow, reproduce. That's, uh, you know, a known winning evolutionary strategy. And um, I think that if you, you pull back in time and we kind of know at this stage that like cannabis was one of the first plants uh, that really was, you know, taken under humanity and, and you know, started agriculture, the domestication of plants, right? So if you go back and you're maybe that caveman and you're sitting in present time, but you know that there's a whole ton of genetic mutations and that's really what cannabis is. It's a very fast mutating plant. It's just mutation upon mutation. And, you know, that's why, People think of land races and they'll maybe like look at Africa and they'll be like, oh, Durban poison. And the reality is, is Durban poison only made it to Africa about 3,000 years ago. And, you know, we know that by, you know, studies and science and so forth. And um, so if you're that caveman and you're wandering through a field and you have all these short little plants, right? And they're ruderalises, but then you see like this one 10 foot tall tree. <laughs> you're like whoa <laughs> like here's an incredible plant like i'm so lucky like i've been blessed you know this is my day um obviously people forget that the original uses for cannabis was more so uh rope right you have long fibrous branches you get a good outdoor tree you can pretty much make a rope for a satchel like that um or hemp seed you know super protein filled stores great um, tastes wonderful. Uh, and then there's the whole medicinal, you know, psychotropic effect and everything that well, in reality probably wasn't as anywhere near as, as it strong is today. Um, just the, the stone chimp theories is kind of, I think, compounded on, Hey, we're going to breed this up more and more THC. So I think it's, it's a, you know, Ruderellus is the original form of cannabis. Um, and then when the caveman, you know, got this seeds, he took it home and, was like, oh, these are like magic beans, you know, I'm going to plant these. And, you know, all of a sudden you've got, you know, kind of a jack in the beanstalk where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to give these big seeds to my friends. And you kind of, you, you know, you, you know, mulch through history and eventually you refine photo period flowering cannabis, which really becomes the dominant species because, 
you know, produces more, it's better for agriculture and crop consistency and all these reasons that commercial grows like it today. Um, but I, I think it's really that, you know, the, the original mother of cannabis is probably found in the Ruderalis gene pool. Interesting. Well, Joshua, as we close, can you tell listeners how they can find a pot for pot online and connect? Uh, yeah. Um, go to, you know, a, P-O-T-F-O-R-P-O-T dot com, uh, a pot for pot. Um, follow us on Instagram, you know, all the sort of regular social media channels. Uh, we're about to start a pretty fun Grow Your Own Christmas Tree campaign uh, where we're giving away some cool prizes and uh, we're kind of trying to encourage people to go greener <laughs> by growing their own Christmas tree and, you know, having a nice harvest at Christmas. And now's about the right time to start planting for that. So, yeah. Cool if any of the listeners jumped on and grew their own Christmas tree. Good idea and funny too. So Josh, apotforpot.com. Excellent. Thanks so much for coming on the show and telling us about your journey. What an amazing story of creating product market fit and your grit and determination and persistence to do it. So we wish you all the best and hope you'll come back on some point in the future and tell us how it's going. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, thanks for having me on the show and creating content for people to listen to. If you enjoyed the show today, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever app you might be using to listen to the show. Every five-star review helps us to bring the best guest to you. Learn more at cannainsider.com forward slash iTunes. What are the five disruptive trends that will impact the cannabis industry in the next five years? Find out with your free report at cannainsider.com forward slash trends. Have a suggestion for an awesome guest on Canna Insider? Simply send us an email at feedback at cannainsider.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Canna Insider or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments. Promotional consideration may be provided by select guests, advertisers, or companies featured in Canna Insider. Lastly, the host or guests on Canna Insider may or may not invest in the companies or entrepreneurs profiled on the show. Please consult your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Final disclosure to see if you're still paying attention. This little whistle jingle you're listening to will get stuck in your head for the rest of the day. <laughs> Thanks for listening and look for another Canna Insider episode soon. Take care. Bye-bye.